1: This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends,
3: patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. It is Wednesday time for Middays with Mark, Congressman Mark Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, rep- brilliantly representing the, uh, the state of Wisconsin, actually the second district of, of Wisconsin. Uh, Pocan.house.gov is his website. You can tweet him at repmarkpocan. Congressman, welcome back. Thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. So great having you with us. So uh, we had a hell of a race in Alabama last night, forgive my, my uh, French, um, and uh, the Republican tax plan is rolling along, and tomorrow is the vote on net neutrality. It's not like this is a low, uh, you know, a low news event week here.
4: Yeah, and then to throw in, uh, you could have a government shutdown by uh, next Friday, and you, you got a lot of work, uh, a lot of things going on.
3: So you want to you take those things uh, one sure. time? I'd love to get your thoughts on them. I'm sure we'll have calls on them. By the way, I should add, it's our Middays with Mark hour, Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls throughout the hour. Our number, 202-808-9925, if you'd like to ask uh, Congressman Pocan a question. So, your thoughts on on these issues, sir?
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, Doug Jones, I mean, I'm very happy to see. We saw some of this in Virginia. Uh, We're seeing this here. Um, You know, the Trump... Uh, magic is not so uh, magical, and it seems to have uh, some detrimental effects. I mean, granted, Roy Moore was a flawed candidate at many levels, and Doug Jones was a good candidate at many levels, but I think what we saw in turnout uh, in Alabama in Republican areas, it was, you know, 15 up to, I think, 20 points off in some areas uh, because uh, they're just not happy with uh, either Roy Moore or where the Republicans are on the issues they're doing right now. And we saw a tremendous turnout uh, on behalf of the Democrats. So people are energized to change what's happening right now in America, and especially uh, African-American vote was uh, as high as uh, turnout was for Barack Obama. So uh, a lot of really good things that came out of there, you know, and I'm very happy that the Senate now uh, won less vote after the first of the year, uh, that they'll have that you know now just you need a, you know one or two people in the, the Republicans in the Senate to not be for their terrible agenda and we can stop things happening so that, that's very positive. Yeah. Um, I think uh, looking at uh, net neutrality tomorrow, we're very concerned uh, what they're going to do. I can tell you, I've had over 4,000 contacts in my office uh, against what they're about to do, which is open it up to uh, big business interests so they can uh, throttle speeds and charge more for big business to use it versus uh, a small business and individuals, and uh, I've had zero for their plan. So this is something that if they do, it's strictly uh, a giveaway to the big telecom industry and not done for any other reason. So we're, uh, there's a lot of legislative solutions that are going to be introduced uh, if they do make the wrong decision, which I think we're still assuming they could do tomorrow, and uh, then we're going to have to keep people activated on that, although I can tell you people are really active on that issue in my district. So, for, uh, you plan, ha-
5: Let,
3: let me sorry. just get this straight, yeah. if, I, if I may interrupt you. You've sure. got 4,000 citizens, taxpayers, constituents who contacted your office about net neutrality, and 100% of them? said keep net neutrality, don't give this thing away to the giant, yes. uh, ISP corporation? A
4: giant special interest issue, right? I mean, you know, if you ask people if they like puppies, there's going to be some small percent of people who don't like puppies. Right. Um, this thing is, I, I want to say it's like 4,600 or something like that uh, against, and it was zero uh, the last time I
3: asked. 10% of Americans think the earth is flat. 100% right. want net neutrality. <laughs> That's amazing.
4: This is, this is this is nothing. But and to be perfectly honest, some of these big telecommunications companies are calling my office trying to say, "Oh, don't worry, we're never going to throttle the speed. We're not going to do that." Well, I don't know why they're saying that. And then of course I watch their ads and they say that. But the only thing they say at the end is, "We promise to be transparent in what we do." So right. they'll tell you when they're going to make you pay more. Well,
3: they're already uh, throttling your speed. They're doing it on the on the cell phone plans. You know yeah. where you know you exceed your your number of gigabytes and all of a sudden you're 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 running. At uh, you know <laughs> dial-up
1: speeds?
4: Oh yeah, that. My provider, my I live in a rural area, and you know we have uh, huge issues with broadband in rural areas in America. And uh, their new plan that has unlimited amounts of data, uh, but after you use 22 gigs, which is not that much, they put you down to less than one Mbps, which is like going back decades in service. So yeah, um, yeah th- this is you know uh, a huge, huge, huge wet sloppy kiss giveaway to telecom if they do this tomorrow, and hopefully because people are so against this, maybe we can find a, a legislative fix on it. So I'm, 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 I'm always an optimist, and this is one where, just based on the well, volume what, of people reaching out to us. Yeah, that's
3: what it's going to take, whether, whether it's done now or whether it's done if and when Democrats recapture the House, Senate, and White House. Exactly. Uh, so, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You were moving on to your third topic. No,
4: no, no I was just going through the four things that we were talking about. The or third fourth. one was a uh, tax bill. You know, um, I, I still think, in fact, more than ever, I think they're going to get a tax bill done um, because uh, now that they've lost the Alabama seat, they don't want to wait till January because uh, that gives them less room for slippage by uh, Susan Collins or yeah. others who might uh, you know, develop a back.
3: What's the deal on Mitch McConnell refusing to swear in uh, Doug Jones until after the vote? I thought well, he- it
4: And they're going to slow walk it in Alabama. I think anyway, to, you know, to figure out the election. So ultimately he won't have to personally do something to delay it. I think Alabama, the secretary of state and others will delay it, Mm. even if they decide to pay for a recount or something. So they're going to get that part done, but they know in January, uh, they've got one less vote. So I think they're going to push this. The thing is, it's still just the same rotten bill. And in fact, yesterday, there was, I think, the most ridiculous tweet I have ever seen from Paul Ryan, and trust me, that is a very high bar. Um, was this Twas the Night Before Taxmas poem? I don't know if you saw it, Tom. No, I didn't. Oh, take a look at it. Just don't eat something right beforehand because it's <laughs> hard to hold it in. <laughs> okay. um, it is so utterly ridiculous about what the bill is and all the process and hearings they had. and you know, it, It's this Orwellian world we're living in where they like, rewrite everything bottom line is this is a bill that especially for a guy from wisconsin like paul ryan is and i am no one but the absolute uh, ultra uber rich people in the state are going to benefit from this and you know this is for the trump family uh... for the trump cabinet for people who go to uh, mar-a-lago and the top one percent and it's just disgusting that they're trying to somehow still spin this as a middle-class tax cut but i really do think they're going to do everything they can to get it done because They know that they're losing a vote in January. So uh, this is, again, something we can change in the future, but we got to really remember who they're advocating for. It's not any of their constituents. It's their donors. It's the donor class is all they care about. And then finally, um, and I'm sure we'll have more of these conversations as the hour goes on, you know, the 22nd is potential shutdown. They're not really working on that much because they're still working on the tax bill, and I don't know how they're going to get to that. The problem is, you know, they're in charge of the House, the Senate, and the White House. Uh, they should be able to move something. The, the difficulty they're having, uh, at least in the House, is you've got the Tea Party, you've got the defense hawks who want to make sure defense spending is done, uh, and rightfully so. We could still block some things in the Senate because of the 60-vote rule, but uh, they can't even get it out of... The Republican side uh, to figure out what to do. So that's going to be interesting, whether or not they just do another few-week punt, which is what they were talking about doing into January. I don't know where they'll be on that. But again, it just shows how pathetic this Republican-led Congress has been, that they can't even do the 101 of their jobs, keeping government open, but they're making all priorities, on the tax bill, rather than passing CHIP, uh, health care for kids, rather than getting uh, healthcare money to community centers, rather than extending the Perkins Loans program that ran out on uh, September 30th, uh, all they care about is taking care of their rich donors and making them even richer yeah. so that they'll get a few crumbs extra for their campaign, campaign. I have a I have
3: a new meme for this that I'm trying to make go viral. Morbidly rich. We have a problem with the morbidly rich in the
4: United exactly, States. Exactly, Tom. You you've said it perfectly.
3: And, and, and that morbidity, you know, is is metastasizing. <laughs> Anyhow, we'll be back with Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. Our telephone number, 202-808-9925. Uh, give us a shout. Congressman Pocan will be here with us for the hour taking your calls. More on uh, more of Congressman Pocan in just a moment. You can reach, him, by the way, his, his website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at rep, rep Mark, M-A-R-K, Pocan, P-O-C-A-N.
1: This is the Tom Hartman program. Back with your calls for Congressman Pocan right after this.
3: Congressman Mark Pocan on the line taking your calls. And uh, York in Portland, Oregon, listening on X Ray FM, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan.
5: Thank you. Hi, Tom. Hi, Congressman. Um, I had a question with respect to the, the, the GOP tax heist and the forthcoming cuts to social
6: services that are that it's going to uh, in, entail. What options and what are, what are our possibilities in the future for reversing any or all of the provisions, and what are the likelihood of those things actually working given that we've just given another trillion and a half dollars to these already very powerful interest groups and taken it away from the rest of us?
4: Sure, York, uh, great questions. And, and let me just say one sort of correction uh, it's it's um, even where they're paying for some things that's a trillion and a half at least under the house plan added to the deficit it's giving away more than that in tax breaks I think it's five or six yeah um, I, I believe it's actually it's
3: over five that. at the end of a decade isn't it over five yeah. trillion dollars will have been transferred from working people to the top one percent.
4: Exactly. The rest is just the amount that they're adding to the deficit that they don't right. uh, have any plan for. Now supposedly I just saw they have a, a principal in agreement. They have principles. they're still working out how to pay for it. They're saying, "I still think they're going to leave that giant hole in the deficit." And uh, we've been afraid, of course, that means. and we saw Marco Rubio and others say it's going to be Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. The good news, one of the really important things, Tom, about Doug Jones winning last night, is now they have less of a margin for error to do these things next year. So uh, when Doug Jones is sworn in, uh, all we need then is one or two Republicans to not go along with their agenda, whether they're afraid for their own hides because of their election or because they actually have a bit of a conscience left, and then uh, we can stop them from doing some of those things. So uh, that election was really important for many reasons last night. Uh, the other thing that York asked was, H- can we change this? And I think, yes, uh, you know, if Democrats take over the House and the Senate, and it'll probably take us having to, get to take over the White House as well, but we can absolutely. Do that. And looking at the economic messages out of Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi right now, out of our leadership, I think there's a real commitment to do the right thing. Yeah.
3: Brian in Spokane, Washington, listening on KYRS. You are on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan.
7: Good morning. Congressman, I was uh, able to talk to you here this summer, and I would asked you if you were aware of who had uh, requested the special meeting before your first day of business for the new Congress in January. A special meeting to uh, do away with the House Ethics Morals Committee. Mm-hmm.
4: Did you ever cross paths with any information on that? Well, I, I'm not sure if I fully understand. It. They took that up in their conference the night before we were sworn in. Um, that right. was one of the rule changes that they were going. To, they agreed to. They voted on raising, and then when everyone got upset over the next 24 hours, they decided not to put it on the floor. Uh And when you say they, do you have a name for they? Republican leadership decided that uh, they were going to get in too much trouble for putting that rule out there. So they didn't put it on the floor. The only way something gets on the floor of Congress is if Paul Ryan says so. That's the 99.99% way there is a discharge petition process that's very rarely used. That's the other way. So basically, it was Republican leadership realized that even though they voted, I think, two to one the night before to gut the ethics rules, uh, they realized it was too embarrassing for them to move ahead and do that.
5: Al
3: in Austin, Texas. Hey, Al, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
5: Gentlemen, congratulations on our win
4: yesterday and hopefully many more to come on next year. I have a question regarding Mulvaney and the freeze on several billion dollars with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Can you elaborate on what that multi-billion dollar freeze is, what
5: that money was for?
4: You know, I honestly, Al, I couldn't tell you specifically what's. I think it's just the general operations of their department. Uh, so this is that fight where, you know, in the law as passed, uh, the decision was not coming from the president to pick a new person. That's why they put a new person in place when um, Cordry left. But then uh, President Trump is essentially trying to exert more power than he has by when he put Mulvaney there. And there's going to be lawsuits and other things that will slow down that process. But, you know, the Republicans have been hell-bent on getting rid of that agency. It's done so much uh, good already for consumers in protecting them and and saving them money. Um, They just want to go back to the bad old days of how Wall Street operated, and uh, they're going to try to do it in any way possible, regardless of how legal or illegal their power grab is. So, uh it's going to be something that we're going to have to wait and see how the the legal side of this uh continues to proceed, but uh this is their uh attempt to try to end that agency's work on behalf of consumers.
3: Yeah. Congressman, we have just, you know, 20, 30 seconds to the break. Do you do you expect that uh, you know, if 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 Democrats were doing this kind of stuff, there would be calls for prosecution by Republicans? Is there or at least investigations. I mean, is there any effort to look into what Pruitt and Mulvaney and Zinke are doing, the kind of damage they're doing to our country, particularly Mulvaney?
4: Yeah, I think just in general, I mean, Democrats need to start taking off the gloves. I think (laughs) when we do some things, uh, too often we're busy debating with ourselves among things, and we always want to do the right thing because that's what we should do, but we don't do it in as aggressive a way as the Republicans do. So there's ways to do things properly, but more aggressively. And I think Democrats have to learn how to do that better. Yeah, I totally
3: agree. Congressman Mark Pocan, taking your calls for the hour. It's middays with Mark here on the Tom Hartman program. We'll be back with more of your calls for Congressman Pocan uh, after this. It's going to be a fascinating day. Tom Perez, from the, the head of the DNC, is going to be with us at the top of the next hour as well. So, uh, And uh, Craig Aaron from Free Press in our third hour.
1: You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. Call 202-808-9925. Congressman
3: Pocan's website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep, R-E-P, Mark, M-A-R-K, Pocan, P-O-C-A-N. Rep, Mark, Pocan. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X Chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X Chair want you to feel the X Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M, dot com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code Tom. Just go to XChairTom.com now. I love my xchair, Chair, and you will too. So check out XChairTom as xchairtom.com. Check out XChairTom.com, and be sure to use T-H-O-M in, as the promo code for your $100 discount. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. It's our middays with Mark Our Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. And uh, Congressman, you're still with us? I am. Great. Al in Chicago, listening to WCPT, you're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan.
6: Uh, Congressman Pocan, uh, I'm a retired teamster in Chicago, and I want to thank you for co-sponsoring the Butch Lewis Act. Uh, We're hoping to get it on the omnibus spending bill. And if you could update Tom, it's all about the multi-employer pension funds. We're trying to save them. And again, I want to say thank you. And what do we have to do to get it on the spending bill?
4: uh yeah, well uh, thanks um you know this this is an issue that uh, on multiple levels it's more than just in multi employer pensions it's pensions in general we're I think we're hitting a crisis in this country, and uh we've gotta pay more attention to it specifically, I know there's uh hopes that this can be added on to um uh the continuing resolution. Uh, but not the continuing resolution. I think in December. I'm thinking it's probably more likely one in January, from what I understand, uh, because I have not been back to Washington as I'm, uh, you know, going through my cardiac therapy from uh, having a, a triple bypass. What I understand is, um, you know, the December one. Because of the infighting between the defense hawks uh, and the Tea Party and others within the Republican Party, uh, they're having a very difficult time. The defense hawks want to fully fund the defense spending for the year and then just keep government open for a few weeks. Uh, That is something the Senate Democrats won't accept because uh, then they have no leverage for all the other uh, spending that has to happen. That's government's responsibility to do. So my guess is whatever happens in December, especially with all the time lost on their tax bill, will probably just be another punt for a few weeks into January, and then the January one could be the real one, again, unless these Republicans are continuing to prove that they're a bunch of clowns in a Shriner car and uh, still don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, bet that that's not going to happen. So uh, if it gets added on, that's the place I think most likely. But I think we need to keep the issue of pensions and retirement in general uh, and the crisis that is facing this country. That has to be an issue we start talking about more. Yeah.
3: Kevin in Santa Fe, listening on KTRC, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
4: Thank you, Congressman Pocan, for
8: taking our call and also for being available to, the, to us here. Uh, I was going to ask if you had any good news on Puerto Rico, maybe something like the USS Comfort, serving lots of people with dialysis or something good, and
7: uh, what you're seeing there in Congress, because the news media isn't reporting much on it. It doesn't sell paper signs.
4: Yeah, no, there has been a lot less talked about. And I think, you know, while there are a lot of uh, improvements that are happening within uh, Puerto Rico, you know, we still have a big, big issue, especially around their power uh, structure, because they have a very old system. And to actually bring it up to date to what it needs to be, it's very, very costly. And uh, clearly what we've seen from this administration and the Republicans in Congress, they don't want to put money uh, into it, even though this is an American territory. So uh, we need to be... Um, continuing to talk about Puerto Rico so people realize, because if you don't have uh, consistent energy infrastructure, uh, there's still uh, rolling blackouts, and there's still issues in uh, many areas, and that's going to affect everything from healthcare to you to know, people who are living there to everything else. So we uh, have to keep um, talking about it so people realize, but real, realize the big fight, I think, will be around the funding to replace the energy infrastructure, and uh, I don't think we're close to having that answer.
3: Lawrence in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, listening on SiriusXM. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocamp.
7: Hey, Tom, Congressman. Hey, Lawrence. I just wanted to try a little thought experiment uh, concerning the tax reform bill. If we had a constitutional amendment passed that barred all private con- political contributions to campaigns, uh, strictly all political campaigns from dog catcher to president were had to be publicly financed uh, from a pool of funds, would this so-called fact
4: reform bill have even been introduced. Um, You know, Lawrence, I I think the point you're bringing up is an extremely um, important one. I was the author of 100% public financing of campaigns when I was in the state legislature here in Wisconsin. Uh, There is no question you wouldn't have a tax bill looking like it looks like uh, if it wasn't for uh, the funding of campaigns. Uh, You've had several Republicans uh, be maybe too blunt and honest, uh, and they regret what they've said, but they've said uh, they have to do this or the donors won't give to them anymore. And this is for the Sheldon Adelson's and the Koch brothers and all the other uh, uber-wealthy folks that uh, fund the Republican Party that have to get this done. Otherwise, why would you do something that's counter to all of your constituents but one or two percent? You wouldn't pass a bill like that. And yet, that's exactly what they're doing. So the sole reason that they're doing this um, is because they have to keep their donors happy, to keep themselves in power, uh, to do what they're doing. And then the second, of course, part of this is then they're going to go after uh, all those programs that we've paid into all of our life, like Social Security and Medicare, and uh, that's how somehow uh, we're going to fix the the hole they're putting into the deficit. So you're, you're right on, Lawrence, on what you're saying, uh, as this is all done because of our campaign finance system and. Uh, the problem is we have a hard time making that a, a number one or even number two issue for people uh, to really keep focused on at election time. Yeah,
3: Tony in Huntsville, Alabama, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. How you doing, Tom? Good. You're, but you're Great. on with Congressman How you Pocan.
4: How doing, Congressman? Hey, very good, Tony.
6: Hey, look, man, I'm so proud of Alabama and Huntsville. You know, when you looked at the map, we were the only blue section. Madison County, you know, turned it all blue. It's beautiful. Uh, I was wondering, now that we've proven that we can flip a ruby red state, I was wondering what the plans were for the gentleman that's going against Paul Ryan. Uh, Is the Democrats really taking that serious and really putting money behind him? Because if we can flip Alabama, we can flip anything.
3: Yeah, the, 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 the Democratic primary hasn't, hasn't been uh, finished in, in Wisconsin, has it yet, Congressman?
4: No, but I, I'll, I'll be very blunt. I mean, for Thank all you, practical purposes, um, it is. I mean, Randy Bryce is running an extraordinary campaign. I don't think I've ever seen a campaign lift off uh, with this much power and this much strength and this much potential to beat the sitting incumbent. So um, I think many of us are focused on... Um, Randy Bryce, there is uh, at least one other person in a primary, but uh, it's, it's like night and day. Uh, let's just put it that way. Um, Tony, you're, I just retweeted something this morning where someone put this very statement out. If we can win in Alabama, certainly uh, Randy Bryce can beat Paul Ryan. And I think uh, what you're saying is exactly true. We, I see the DCCC is taking this very, very seriously. They put it at the top of their target list uh, that they have. So uh, yes, the, the so-called Democratic establishment is taking this race seriously. But more important, uh, people in Wisconsin, in the district, are taking it seriously. And uh, I'm going to go back in and do some work in January. I, I was talking to the campaign just yesterday. Um, this is a top priority for me because I grew up in that area. Um, 14,000 people used to make cars in Kenosha. No one does today. 10,000 in Janesville. No one does today. I guarantee people are going to connect more with someone like Randy Bryce and his background as an iron worker than someone who's completely... Gone Washington and sells out for every special interest uh, and every donor uh, like Paul Ryan. So there is a real uh, chance to do this, and it's a very serious race with everyone giving it top attention.
3: Okay, Uh, Charles in Hendersonville, Tennessee, listening on AM nine fifty. You are on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. Uh,
7: Yes. Good morning, Congressman. I was just wondering why don't the the Democratic Party kind of educate the American people about what's coming up. with this net neutrality thing, I mean, the Internet providers can disable ports and start charging you for services like email and stuff like that. And this Republican tax reform, it's nothing more than a giveaway to the corporations. And eventually it's going to come back and bite us with higher taxes, the people that are what few will be left in the middle class. And it just seems like the Democratic Party just does not want to educate the American people about what's
4: going to happen when all these things come to pass. Yeah, Charles, I I agree that it should happen, and and where I disagree with you a little bit is I think it is happening. Our problem is... The corporate media doesn't pick it up. If you look at social media, I can't tell you how many. I was looking through my stream yesterday, and we've put out more statements with a bunch of other members around net neutrality exactly doing what you've asked. And we're getting it out that way, but we can't get it out necessarily through the corporate media because uh, they're not covering certain issues, uh, especially around net neutrality. I think their coverage has been abysmal. So I, I, I just want you to know that many, many Democrats are talking about What's going to happen when this tax bill happens? And what's going to happen if they make this change uh, and allow them to uh, have corporate control over the Internet? The problem is we're not always getting it picked up by the corporate media. And that's been my frustration. Tom, we probably have this conversation every other week um, on your radio show. But I just want you to know, Charles, I do see it happening. It's just it's, it's hard to get that coverage so that we get that mass media out. So we're doing you know, more of the alternative social media and other ways to get it out.
3: I would argue that the reason why the message is not being carried in corporate media is because corporate media is owned by corporations who are internet service providers or have interlocking boards with them. Um, and it seems like the solution to that is to reinforce the Sherman Act. We, we mentioned this earlier in the program. We just have 20 seconds here to the break. Uh, do you see any action in Congress to start breaking up these big companies?
4: Um, I I do, because as we said, the the new Better Deal proposal that's put out by the Democrats, one of their key principles is around antitrust. And in fact, I was shocked to see that, Tom. I mean, I'm very happy, but I didn't think we were there yet as a party, and we are. They're seeing it and how it affects consumers across the board. So I actually think this is one of our uh, areas to be optimistic about should the Democrats take over.
3: That's, That's great news. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. It's our Middays with Mark Hour here on the Tom Hartman program. Congressman Pocan, representing the Second District of Wisconsin, he's also the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, one of the real progressive big cheeses in the House of Representatives. pleased to have him on the program. You can tweet him at RepMarkPocan, his website, pocan.house.gov. We'll be right back.
1: You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives.
3: Back with more of your calls for Congressman Pocan right after this. Welcome back, Tom Harbin here with you, and it is our Middays with Mark, Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls, and Wally in Edwards, Missouri.
8: Rick yes, sir. You're on the Thank Earth, Congressman Thank you for being Mark. there. Sure. I got a question for you. With all these people
7: in uh, Puerto Rico with no electricity, is there any way that people like me that have a generator could donate it and send it
4: to them? You know, Wally, I honestly don't know the answer to that. Um, You might want to do a Google search. I know a lot of people were sending generators uh, down there, and there's probably some organizations that are doing that. Um, And that would certainly be helpful because they are still rolling blackout periods, and uh, it's going to take quite a bit of money to put in the the infrastructure they actually need uh, and that we have to, I think, be responsible for.
3: Jules in northern Virginia. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
0: Yes. Hello, Congressman Polkant and Tom Hartman. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm wondering if net neutrality goes through, is there any way that that can be undone through whatever legislative process? I'll hang up and take your answer off the air. Thank
4: Thanks, you. Jules. Yeah, Jules, so I know that uh, there are several bills, and I think there's going to be actually a lot of bills to address this. I saw that uh, Beto O'Rourke, who's actually running for the U.S. Senate against Ted Cruz uh, down in Texas, uh, he has some legislation. I believe Sean Patrick Maloney from New York has some legislation. So there's already a lot of things moving and, and ready for this, because trust me, it's not like Wisconsin is unique, where I've got 4,500 people saying, uh, don't make the changes that they're about to make and no one's supporting what they're doing. I think we're seeing this across the country. People, you know, there is no constituency asking for this other than the big telecom companies. So I think that that is a real opportunity either to have legislation introduced and that you know we'll try to build bipartisan support, but again, again if they won't do it, then we'll see what we, changes we can make in 2018. Uh, but I do think there's a big commitment to make this happen, especially on the Democratic side. J.C.
3: in San Francisco, you're on the air with Congressman Pokan.
5: Good morning, Congressman. Um, I have a suggestion, uh, per your comment uh, earlier, about taking the gloves off. And, and it's a simple suggestion. And it, it's nothing novel or new. But uh, I would encourage the Democrats to put out uh, two congresspeople, one male, one female, every day of work at, at the Capitol. And... Um, uh, discuss, you know, set a time, four o'clock in the afternoon, whatever. Set a time and do that every day, and discuss what the issues that you've been working on that day, and what's coming up, and what your hopes are. And um, do this regularly because there's doesn't seem, you know, you were saying that that, that, that the corporate media doesn't pick pick up the um, the information you're you're trying to get out. But if you did this every day. And start to to bite into some of the the uh, news cycle that that uh, Trump so masterfully uh, manages. That um, we would have uh, you know a unifying message, and use the use the people that haven't been haven't been there as long, so they they can get themselves familiarized with the country and their constituents, and do that every day. Okay, and, let's uh,
3: see what, let's see, know, let's hear what right the congressman has to say, J.C. For, for, you know. Yeah, let's let's hear what let's hear what Congressman Focant has to right, say. Aren't you guys holding press conferences? You know, I mean, I get announcements pretty much every day from from you know uh, various members, Democratic members of Congress, saying that they're holding events and things. It's just that they never the, the press never shows up. It seems.
4: But you know, I I think what, to JC's point, Tom, I think you know we can be far more aggressive in how we still reach. Can get our information out. You know, I do regular, regular uh, Facebook live town halls where people can just ask open-ended questions, and we can put information out. Those are extremely popular. Um, I've argued, and I've been one of the leaders of the adopt a District movement, where we go into Republican districts and let people know what their representatives are up to. Uh, that's kind of taking the gloves off. It's not usually done, but you know what? Um, it's it's so appreciated, and then local media covers it because here you are, a member of Congress going into another district. District, but we can have a real conversation and make people have to be accountable. We need to do more of that. And I think if we do that, we can kind of get around that corporate media and pick up the local media and the social media and let people know what their representatives aren't doing for them on their behalf. So I, I think, you know, J.C.'s right. We just have to be more creative and think outside the box and be willing, again, to take those gloves off.
3: Brenda in Cooper's Cove, Texas, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, it's brenda from Copperas cove texas
0: Mm -hmm. and um i have a question i don't know what legal ease this would be but how is this corrupt tax bill not donors blackmailing congressmen to do that and just how is it not more corporate welfare or bribing i'll take your answer off the air but please all listeners donate (laughs) (laughs)
4: thank thank you brenda Brenda, I mean, you're right. I mean, you know, Chris Collins from New York was one of the more blunt people, said we've got to do this or our donors told us they're going to cut us off. Uh, we've had other Republicans in the Senate, I think Lindsey Graham and I forget, uh, another member who basically said the exact same thing. I mean, it, it doesn't take rocket science to look. Why would you do a corporate, uh, a complete change of the tax code that doesn't benefit your constituents, which is what your job is, and instead they're just enriching the top one and two percent uh, it's because that that's where their money comes from, and that's how they get elected. Look, we have the people and the ideas. They generally have had the money, and they've been pretty successful just using that, even though we've had the people and the ideas. I think we at, uh, we're, we're at a, a good turning point right now, thanks to their overreach, that people are starting to understand uh, that we have... They have to be backing more Democrats if they want to watch out for themselves and their pocketbooks. And this tax plan is just, I think, one of the best, most visual ways of what they're really up to.
3: Yeah, and it's not just a giant tax cut for billionaires and a tax increase on working people, it's also social engineering.
4: Well, and 13 million people are going to lose health insurance. That's, that's what I mean. It. I mean, it's. You know, I think that's one of the things that we, we should really be stressing even more. Uh, once they have this final plan we need to make sure everyone understands what's happening to them on behalf of the Republicans oh, Amen
3: congressman Pokan thanks so much for being with us today
4: Of course Tom thank you
3: it's great having you with us it's uh... this was our middays with Mark Hour you can contact congressman Pokan at house. Uh, excuse me at pokan.house.gov and you can tweet him at rep mark we'll be back right after this
1: This is the Tom Hartman Program.
3: Good back. Tom Hartman here with you. And Tom Perez is on the line with us. He is the chair of the Democratic National Committee, the DNC, former U.S. Secretary of Labor. The DNC's website, Democrats.org. You can tweet him at Tom Perez, P-E-R-E-Z. Uh,
8: Secretary Perez, welcome back. Tom, it's great to be with you and your listeners. Always
3: a pleasure. Or right. I don't know. Should I call you Chairman Perez? I'm not sure which uh, is the
8: Tom is the quickest. Tom, okay. easiest, okay. Because uh, you know the name Tom, so the two Tom's can talk.
3: So congratulations, you guys kicked ass in Alabama last night. It is uh, an impressive victory, and I think the most impressive part of it is I know that the Democratic Party, from you know what I've been reading around the edges, that the Democratic Party played a role in this race, and yet there was such a uh, a kind of pseudo xenophobia. I don't know how you, you know, what the word is on a state by state basis, but down in Alabama, the whole idea of, you know, people from out of state coming in, uh, was not all that welcome. Uh, notwithstanding Steve Bannon coming in from Harvard and, <laughs> and Goldman Sachs and, and whatnot, uh, you know, but, but, uh, you guys did a great job and you did it largely under the radar.
8: Well, it was a key to be under the radar. I, I've known Doug for 20 years, and I've tried a lot of cases in Alabama as a civil rights lawyer. And, uh, uh the, the first thing uh the defense attorney's did when I'd come in is say uh, that guy from Washington's trying to tell you what to do. Yeah. So I was acutely aware of the need to uh number one fly below the radar screen, uh respect and understand and work with uh, not only Doug's team but uh local faith leaders, local elected officials, people on the ground who really knew their communities well. And uh we were below the radar screen. And make no mistake about it, we were very, very active below the radar screen, and we were engaged uh, before the Republican primary was over because we knew that we didn't have a day to waste. And uh, I started speaking to Doug uh, early in 2017 because he he's the real deal for your listeners. Uh, this guy is what you see. He is um, someone whose North Star is just helping people. It's, it's making sure that you improve people's lives. He's the son of a steelworker. He's uh, someone who believes that uh... you know we should be working to make sure that everyone in every zip code can uh... feed their family and and work in a job with dignity and and get health care and uh... he believes that uh... we must make sure our criminal justice system is fair and uh... he he his work in civil rights is unparalleled and so i was excited we we were we invested almost a million dollars and virtually all of it went into african-american outreach and millennial outreach and it's amazing. Doug Jones outperformed Barack Obama.
5: Yeah, That's a remarkable I saw that.
8: Statistic. And I never would have thought that you'd have a higher percentage of voters that were able to turn out for for Doug Jones versus Barack Obama. We we, we dreamed of that, but that was uh, <laughs> that that was the reality, yeah. and he did it. And African American women, once again, uh, the pillar of the Democratic Party, came through. Ninety eight percent.
3: Yeah, of African
8: American women, ninety three percent. Of African American men, we, we were hoping that maybe 28% of the electorate uh, would be uh, African American. That that we thought would give us a shot, and we ended up at 30%. And yeah. um, what but, Doug? I'm sorry.
3: Well, if I may, on the on the other side of it, 72% of white men voted for Roy Moore, 63% of white women. This, uh, whereas 93 and 98% of black men and women, respectively, voted for Doug Jones. Uh, this is a racial bifurcation in Alabama. Uh, I realize that sort of thing is probably more pronounced in the old Confederate states, but what what does that tell us about about the state of American politics and and, and how does the Democratic Party strategize around that in the context of trying to build a a, a more multi ethnic, multi racial you know nation as opposed to a more polarized one?
8: Well, Doug actually won women by sixteen percent, uh... and uh, he did um, spectacularly among millennials. Uh, he won by about um, uh, 20 points. Hmm. And, and I think the distinctions you see among women, uh, there's obviously uh, you know, African-American women, women of color, you know, hmm. were virtually all for Doug Jones. Right. Uh, w- um, white women with more than a high school degree, uh, Doug Jones did very, very well with. Hmm. And white women with a high school degree or less, uh, uh, he didn't do so well with. But when you add it all up, uh, it got him across the finish line. Yeah. And and what was in, what was very impressive, uh, Tom, is um, not only the um, the African American turnout, but the fact that he was able to compete in those other counties. The key to success in Alabama, for any Democrat seeking to um, to prevail is obviously you've got to run up the score in in your base areas which is basically birmingham and in huntsville and mobile and montgomery and then the uh... the so-called uh... uh... black belt which is uh... named after the soil in that area but then you've got a there's sixty seven counties in alabama and you've got to at least hold your own in those other counties and doug was able to not only hold his own he he actually flipped ten of uh... uh... the sixty seven counties from red to blue And and let me give you one example, because it really shows you how Democrats can win anywhere as long as we organize. Uh, There's one small county, uh, Lee County, and uh, if your listeners are wondering, yes, it is named after Robert E. Uh, And uh, Donald Trump won that county by 24 points a year ago. Mm. Doug won it by 17 points. Whoa! Uh, A 41-point swing. No Democratic presidential candidate has won more than 45 percent of the vote in that county since the signing of the Civil Rights Act. I'm talking about the 60s. Wow. So uh, Doug, uh, he, you know, we, and we helped him in this. Uh, again, uh, we were organizing everywhere. We were on college campuses. We, we were, uh, you know, we had a church program because we, we knew that we needed to work with faith communities to, to get out the vote. And, uh, and we needed to go into these counties where, uh, frankly, Democrats got clobbered in the past and and tell what we stand for. And and the thing about it is Alabamians, they want access to health care, not just in the blue counties, but they understand that uh, if they have a loved one uh, struggling with opioid addiction, uh, the Republican plan to take their health care away is going to be uh, really destructive. That's how we won Virginia. We, we talked about the issues, and the number one issue in Virginia was health care. Yeah. So when we lead with our values and when we organize and organize early and organize everywhere, and and when we did what Doug did in uh, Alabama, and and he, this wasn't about right versus left. This was about right versus wrong. Uh, Doug's been fighting for all the right things throughout his career, and the notion that uh, you know Roy Moore, who also, all he wanted to do was fight the culture wars, uh, Doug wants to fight for good jobs and healthcare and all those things, the kitchen table issues, uh, voters. Voters saw that, and that's how uh, he was able to succeed. And and we've seen this elsewhere across the country. We've been able to win special elections in Oklahoma and Iowa and other places that were beat red country for Donald Trump. And that's what gives me optimism, Tom. And uh, the new DNC, as I told you in one of our, you know, uh, prior uh, get-togethers, um, we're organizing everywhere. And I, I couldn't say that we're going to have a every zip code count strategy, and then not invest heavily in uh, Alabama. That's why I was proud to do it. This one, quite frankly, was a bit personal for me because I I just know Doug. um, I know uh, what a man of character he is and what a spectacular senator he will be, and and that's why we fought for it. And uh, um, that's what the new DNC is doing. Sometimes we're conspicuous, and sometimes we're less conspicuous, and it's all about what the situation calls for. But uh, everywhere we're going to be active.
3: Yeah, it, it is. Uh, and and uh, Larry Cohen was on a couple of days ago, telling us about the new Unity Commission that uh, he's a member of, and and uh, the recommendations coming back. I'm I'm very encouraged uh, about the future of the DNC, and I'm. This is just a, a marvelous and positive thing. Tom Perez, the, the chair of the Democratic Party and former Thank U.S. Secretary of so Labor. Tom. Thank Great you so much. With
8: you. and Larry Cohen is a gem, by the way. Yeah, uh, one of the best trade unionists in the country, and a remarkably uh, wonderful leader. Uh, at the DNC. I, I agree. Spectacular work. Huh?
3: He, he is. And, and a dear friend. Uh, Tom Perez, thanks so much, Tom. Great, great you. having you with Thank us, Secretary. You.
1: Thank you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with more of your calls right after this.
3: Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink. Superbeets. Only Superbeets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Superbeats for free, plus indicator strips to see how Superbeats is working for you. And free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeats.com on the interwebs.
1: This is the Tom Hartman Program.
3: Welcome back. On the line with us, Craig Aaron. Craig is the uh, president and CEO of Free Press. Freepress.net is the website. You can tweet him at not Aaron Craig. Do I have that right, Craig? Uh, yeah, that's right. When you
6: have two first names, uh, sometimes you have to remind people. So I'm uh-huh. Craig Aaron, not Aaron Craig, except on Twitter.
3: Okay. And uh, of course, the website, freepress.net. So, uh, the FCC vote I'm not sure this is even the right word, but uh, the FCC vote is scheduled for tomorrow on whether to hand our Internet here in the United States, created by our federal government with our tax dollars uh, as a public good, whether to hand this over to a small handful of multi multi billion dollar corporations uh, or whether to keep it in the. in the public good, as it were. Uh, What are your thoughts on how that's gonna play out and how are people responding around the country right now?
6: Well, well, that's absolutely right, it is a vote. The Federal Communications Commission uh, is expected to vote to dismantle those fundamental open internet net neutrality protections that you're talking about. Uh, These are protections that uh, folks like me and millions of others fought for 10 years uh, to put in place during the final uh, couple of years of the Obama administration and now the Trump FCC is trying to tear them down. Uh, And and we do expect tomorrow that they will go forward with that vote. It'll almost certainly be a three to two party line vote with all of the uh, Republicans, the Trump appointees uh, voting to get rid of net neutrality and the two Democrats uh, standing strong in opposition. Uh, But what's interesting and, uh, you know, the Tom Hartman program was a show far ahead of most of the media when it came to the issue of net neutrality. uh, But is that there is this unprecedented public response. Uh, We've really Mm -hmm. never seen anything like it in terms of public awareness or outcry on this issue. Uh, The agency received 22 million public comments uh, uh, in support, uh, many of them, uh, in support of net neutrality against what the FCC is doing. Since these rules were announced, since it became clear just how far the Trump administration was going, there has been a, a groundswell of opposition, nearly a million calls into Congress Uh, Some offices were reporting they were getting more net neutrality calls than they were getting calls about taxes. There have been uh, 700 protests organized across the country last week in all 50 states, in the big cities for sure, but also small towns uh, in in Oklahoma, in Alaska, everywhere. Uh, And, of course, the Internet itself has been very outraged about what's happening. Uh, So you've seen places like Reddit, uh, for many people, the homepage of the Internet, uh, one of the most popular websites Uh, in the country and the world, uh, its entire front page dominated by net neutrality stories, places that you would never expect to see talking about media policy, the NASCAR subreddit, uh, the number one topic being net neutrality. So uh, something is really changing politically. We're seeing a huge, huge groundswell of opposition. Uh, and so this vote is going to happen tomorrow, but it's absolutely not going to be the last
3: word in this fight. Congressman Mark Pocan was on for the uh, hour and the first hour of our program taking calls from our listeners. And he started out by by uh, sharing a rather. So I, I was frankly amazed, I, I, not shocked, but amazed. Um, he said that his office, his congressional office, uh, both local districts and the, and the federal one, have received over 4,000 calls about net neutrality. Now he's, I mean, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, so people aren't going to call him up and say, uh, you know, well, whatever. And he said uh, over 4,000 calls on net neutrality. Not one, literally not, not one, one, saying blow up net neutrality, turn the internet over to Comcast. All of them, 100%, saying fight to hold net neutrality. Um, I, that that's amazing. It's incredible. And so much of this has happened, I mean, built on
6: such great organizing, but organically, like people were talking about this over Thanksgiving. Uh, You know, those nearly a million calls all across the Hill, most of those happened over Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, You know, the Trump administration seemed to be trying to sneak through these rule changes when they thought people weren't going to pay attention. But in today, with everybody looking at their cell phones, uh, everybody looking at their laptops, uh, they, they had the exact opposite. And uh, you know, it's great to hear that from Congressman Pokan, who's been a real champion for net neutrality. Uh, but uh, all across Congress, I, I saw Mike Quigley from Illinois, uh, not a high-profile member of Congress necessarily. Same story. 4,000 calls uh, for net neutrality, zero against. And believe me, Republican offices are getting those phone calls as well. And yeah. we're starting to see uh, Republicans moving against this FCC, speaking against this FCC, which you're not seeing on, on almost any other issue. I'm so talking is
3: about the politics of this. Response, I mean, tremendous. We, have, we have this really serious problem with regulatory capture in the United States since the 1976 yes. Buckley uh, versus Vallejo de- Supreme Court decision that said that it is uh, uh, constitutionally protected by the First Amendment for rich people and big corporations to actually own their very own politicians and, and mm-hmm. you know, write their own legislation and give the politicians money to introduce it. And as a consequence of that, you know, here we are. Um, but but the, the so it looks like the FCC is completely captured. I mean, the, the, you know, Ajit Pai, the guy who is the, the chairman, is the former lawyer for Verizon and Verizon, of course, doesn't That's want right. that neutrality. So giving up on the FCC, at least as long as we have a Republican in the White House. Um, the Plan B, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Craig, that you're far way deeper in the weeds on this issue than I am. Uh, it <laughs> I seems it. like Plan B would be to have Congress pass a law explicitly saying that the internet is covered under Title II of the Telecommunications Act and is to be regulated as a as a common carrier. Am I am I uh, uh, is that right?
6: I think you're headed in the right direction. I will complicate it without going too far into the weeds. Uh, so the FCC is going to vote tomorrow. Uh, obviously, we are still pushing them and pressuring them not to do so. Uh, if, if that does not succeed, though, uh, in the next 24 hours and they, and they pass these rules, uh, the first thing that's going to happen is that we're going to sue them. We're going to go to court. Uh, and this is true. Anything the FCC does, they go to court. Uh, when they did the right thing, they were sued and the courts upheld that decision. Uh, now that they're doing the wrong thing, we think we do have a very strong court case against them because it is actually not under the law reason enough to change these rules simply because Donald Trump is president. You actually have to build the case. So that'll be one front. The other front, uh, as you suggest, is going to be Congress. And this is where it gets tricky, uh, because the the thing that Congress is happening in Congress is the strategy that's being run by AT&T and Comcast is they want this FCC to push through this incredibly extreme measure, tearing down what uh, what the previous FCC did, and what the people want—they want to get rid of that, and they want to try to leverage that outrage to go to Congress with something that's five percent worse or five percent less worse, less awful—and uh, they're going to call it net neutrality and call it a compromise and try to ram it through. For so they want to create so a pumpkin village. That version of this bill, but there are other options. Uh, Long term, I think it looks like exactly what you're describing. Short term. This Congress has in its power, and they've used it, unfortunately, for for usually to overturn good environmental and and privacy regulations. But they have in their power something called the Congressional Review Act, which allows them to pass a resolution of disapproval that throws out uh, actions of agencies. And so I think there's going to be a big push uh, early next year uh, to get Congress to do absolutely that, to reject what this FCC has put forward and go back to the solid rules on the books which are absolutely grounded in the law, Title Two of the Communications Act, backed by the courts. Right. So that'll be the first step. And then I think the longer play, of course, is, yes, we want Congress to take this this seriously. They need to act. Uh, but this exact Congress we have today and the kind of people pulling those levers, the kind of capture you're talking about, we just need to be very cautious and make sure we're not signing away or compromising away something that's anything less than real uh, net neutrality based on strong authority.
3: Brilliant, so well said, Craig Aaron, the president and CEO of Free Press. FreePress.net is the website. You can tweet him at not Craig Aaron, and uh, not Aaron Craig. Excuse me, not Aaron Craig. You're right, not Aaron Craig. Thank you for correcting that. Or at Free Press, or at Free Press Action. Craig Aaron, you're doing you're doing God's work. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, thanks for the opportunity, Tom. Always appreciate being on. Good talking with you. We'll be back.
1: This is the Tom Hartman program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you.
3: Robert in Lawrence County, South Carolina. Hey, Robert, what's on your mind today? Yes. Uh,
7: well, some time ago I was having a discussion about politics with a fellow and I made a remark that I thought the conservative voters preferred a dishonest Republican over an honest Democrat. And his answer was reminiscent of what the POW guard said about the German prisoners and their affection for Hitler. He said, yes, that, uh, the very worst they had was better than the very best we have.
3: Hmm. Interesting. So that, yeah, it's, and the Republicans, you know, I mean, we saw this on display. The National Republican Party endorsed, endorsed Roy Moore, a guy who was thrown off the, the Supreme Court of the state of Alabama twice for violating his oath of office, for breaking his word. And this is the guy that was their great moral hero and all this other kind of nonsense, um, spot on, Robert. Very, very well said. Thank you very much for the call, Carol in Twin Cities, Minnesota. Hey, Carol, what's up?
0: Oh, hey, Tom. Um, I hope you will let me do two things. Number one, on the insurance thing, mm-hmm. the original the original tax bill had that um, it would you would no longer be deduct be able to deduct uh, damages from tornadoes or floods or fires or whatever over and above what the insurance company pays you. So, we've got a hundred thousand dollar. Loss and the insurance company gives you fifty. You eat the other fifty.
3: So you used to be able to deduct the other fifty. I've never been through a disaster. I'm sorry.
0: That's evidently that's how it works. Yeah. To deduct whatever you have to pay out of pocket. Interesting. Um, but the the main thing is I I and I know you were on the air at the time. But MSNBC this morning uh, broadcast a hearing that is was. I am assuming the prelude to trying to get rid of Mueller.
3: Yeah, this is Rod Rosenstein. He's the number two guy in the Justice Department. Pardon? Rod Rosenstein was the guy that they were interrogating. He's the number two guy at Justice.
0: Yeah. And I was so mad listening. I mean, I got so mad. I mean, I think I was, uh, I think my heart was palpitating. I mean, it was just absolutely awful. Now, there's a couple of guys that were able to get into the congressional record by questioning properly, uh, all of the women that have gone against trump and things like that but they really are gearing up and I can't can't believe how fast they got this committee together um, they've been slow-walking the committee on Russia the Russian interference and it's like this thing popped up overnight and now they are out to get Mueller
3: yeah I know uh, and this and this is a campaign that's been apparently being coordinated out of the White House and out of Breitbart and whatnot um and, and but and collusion? Uh, Who knows? Uh, You know, Mueller is not going to take this laying down, number one. And number two, I'm increasingly coming to the opinion that Russia is not going to bring down Donald Trump, that women are going to bring down Donald Trump. And I think that that is, you know, if that's the case, it is so ironic and so, so sweet. Um, but it just, it seems to me that the, the me too movement is, is going to be the end of Donald Trump. I, you know, it's, that's, that's who's really going after him, but we'll see. I mean, you know, time will tell, but it, it really, it really, it, that's my sense of it. Carol, thank you for the call. Chuck in Cody, Wyoming. Hey Chuck, what's on your mind?
7: Hi Tom. Thanks for taking the call. Sure. Uh, Tom, I, I have an observation, um, about wording from the left that I keep hearing, and uh, I understand what you're saying, I, you know, absolutely. But the the, the wording that that, they, that I hear is something that I think is going to come back to bite us in future elections or the future election. And, and the wording is, um, it's not about right versus left. It's about right versus wrong. And when I hear that, I think, you know, I, I know what it means, but what I think that the, the right is going to do is turn that around on us and uh, equate wrong to the left.
3: Yeah, it's, it's the kind of phrase that George Lakoff would not like at all, and I don't like either for the exact same reason, because it implies that the word right means something positive, and and you apply that to right wing politics, it, it it implies that you know that's somehow positive. Uh, I I agree. I think it's a lousy it's a lousy meme.
7: And then to, to say. Left than
3: is wrong. Yeah, exactly. I'm
7: gonna, yeah, that's the, gonna that's the clear. It's not about right versus left. It's about right versus wrong.
3: Yeah. No, that's the, that's the clear implication of it, and uh, it's a phrase that people on the left should not be using. I totally agree with you, Chuck. I totally agree oh, with you, good. Chuck. I got to right. move along, but thank you for the call. Very well said, Tracy in Los Angeles. Hey, Tracy, what's up? Hi.
2: Um, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I wanted to comment uh, also on the the tax bill. Uh, regarding the state of California, and there were 11, I believe, representatives that voted to like eliminate, or like what Carol said, she had um, more accurate numbers than I do, but, but basically if you lost your house to earthquake or fire that you could not claim any deduction. Right, and was
3: this 11 out of the 14 Republican uh, members of the congressional delegation from California?
2: Yes, and what's crazy is that um, uh Representative Devin Nunez is actually on the conference committee that wrote the bill, and um, uh, Mimi Walters is uh, she represents Irvine. Irvine is very, you know, they've um, Orange County has been on fire, so a lot of these Congress people that are voting to take away this this right to, you know take these deductions are actually in the areas that have burned like a year or two ago or are on fire now. Wow. It's absolute insanity. And I just don't think that the people who are in these districts even realize that their own congressmen are voting against them in this manner. Well, hopefully
3: Absolutely. they will when the Democrats run against those congressmen in, in the in the you know in the in the election next year. Uh that's that's fascinating. Tracy, I got to run, but thank you so much for the call and for for you know raising the issue. It's been a fascinating day today. And, uh, you know, phew, on Doug Jones, but hey, this is just the beginning. We got a long slog to, to bring this country back to some sort of rationality and sanity, particularly with that fellow in the White House. So in the meantime, don't forget, we've got to get active. We've got to participate. Democracy is not a spectator sport. So get out there, get active, tag,
1: you're it. We'll see you tomorrow.